How are you guys doing? Good afternoon, I suppose, or in German, Guten Tag. Yeah, please be seated. So, yeah, I'm excited to be back, uh, to be among you. I hope you guys are. Yeah, there are 2,000 among you that are excited that I'm back. So, uh, and for those who are meeting or seeing me for the first time, I suppose you may be a little bit disappointed because uh, as you were introduced to a speaker that is named Jose Carol, you would not be expecting somebody who looks like me to appear before you. However, yeah, I, I was named Jose Carol since I was born. It was on my birth certificate, uh, even though I don't really look like someone who is named Jose Carol. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be among you. Uh, this is not my first time I'm uh, speaking here for the third uh, year, I think, in a row. And I'm grateful for Pastor Leo and Susanna uh, for allowing me here to be with you. I'm bringing greetings from our church, uh, Jakarta Praise Community Church. So it's in Jakarta, Indonesia, the city of 12 million. And uh, our team has just been here three Sundays ago. I wonder who were here three Sundays ago, yeah, so some of you. So yeah, I'm bringing uh, greetings from our church to yours. And uh, for us, uh, ICF Zurich is always like a home away from home. So uh, I'm grateful to be back with you. And I've been speaking twice in the morning. Uh, I hope uh, I'll be able to deliver the way I delivered in the morning. And I really hope and pray that your life will be blessed. Uh, according to the two millions that were listening to me this morning, they said that the message wasn't that, that, wasn't that bad. It was not bad. So, yeah, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's pretty good. So let's see. So I titled message uh, today, uh, Encountering God, just to follow uh, what you guys as a church has been uh, learning or studying at the whole month, I suppose, if, if not, I'm not mistaken. So uh, just to pick up exactly where Pastor Leo left off, uh, last week, so I'm going to continue to speak to you, uh, and again, like I said, I titled this message, Encount- Encountering God, and what does it look like uh, in the 21st century in a city like Zurich in Europe? So, uh, I wonder you would like to hear this message, even though if you don't like to be, I uh, have to deliver it, so otherwise... <laughs> That's the whole purpose. I fly 13 hours nonstop to be here. So anyway, uh, throughout the Bible, you would, you would notice that throughout the Bible, the Bible recorded where God actually revealed himself, encountered, or people encountered God throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, you would see uh, when Moses was encountering God through the burning bush, if you ever knew about it. Uh, and then God spoke to people. God showed himself to people in the Old Testament. And you also remember if you ever uh, listen and know the story about how God released the Israelites from Egypt and brought them all the way through the desert to the promised land. So throughout, throughout the whole process, God revealed himself, God encountered people, uh, you know, uh, through many, many miracles. And, you know, if you would remember, throughout the whole journey, uh, on the day, God would show them or would lead them through the pillars of cloud, and at night, it would be pillars of fire. So I don't know how your imagination works when you imagine how it looks like on the day and the night. So I, I suppose it's going to be like fascinating, like the pillars of 
fire leading you throughout the desert. And then, you know, uh, without, without neglecting all the other miracles like Red Sea, just part before you and you walk through the dry Red Sea and leaving all the Egyptians covered by the Red Sea after you passed, just something normal would happen to you every day, right? So, and then also like manna every morning. So those are all miracles uh, when the people of God encountered God in their daily life. But I've noticed that no matter how much miracles you would see or experience in your, in your life, not always miracles would bring people to acknowledge the existence of God. Even if you would read the story of the Israelites, you sometimes would get angry on behalf of God. You would think like, how could these people not realizing or do not acknowledge that God exists, that he's a miracle working God, he's such a great God, you know, uh, seeing what happened and what God did in their lives. Nevertheless, you will always find people, no matter how much miracles they would see or go through, they would still neglect, that they would still ignore or even deny that God exists. In the New Testament, we do not see God Almighty, God the Elohim, reveal himself, encounter people in the way in the Old Testament, but he incarnated himself into a person named Jesus. So people do not meet God in the tabernacle like you have been uh, learning or studying about uh, in the in the message series titled Tabernacle, where, where you would find people from outside entering into the tabernacle through the gate that's called the way. And they have to pass the way, the gate called the way, and then they would enter into the courtyard where they can actually bring their burnt offering, wash themselves in the wash basin, basin and then where they get their sins forgiven, and then they, the, the priest can actually pass through the holy place where they can actually see the candles and have the frank incense in the, I suppose you, you're familiar with this, yes. right? Okay, you, you all sound like you have never heard that before. <laughs> well, anyway, so, and, and where, where you can't see any daylight where you have to rely on the candles, which is the Holy Spirit, uh, representing the Holy Spirit that would lead you in the dark, uh, where you can only follow what God leads you into, and then, only the high priest can enter from the holy place to the holy of the holiest. And, and the Bible is telling us that his rope would be uh, hanging some bells and they would actually tie his feet, one of his feet uh, with ropes, just in case if he would die inside the holy of the holiest because unless you're holy, you can't enter into that place because if you're unholy, you're gonna drop that right in there and nobody would dare to come in to pull him out because if that person is not holy, he would drop dead also inside. So uh, the Israelites would keep on uh, listening to the bells of his ropes. If the bells are still ringing, means he's still moving and doing all, you know, uh, the procedure that what he need to do in, in the holy of the holiest. And whenever the bells stop, they know that something is wrong, then they have to pull him out. So. But thank God, in the New Testament, when Jesus was, uh, Jesus was cross, or Jesus died on the cross, the Bible is telling us that the veils, you know, the way, the truth, and the veils that separate the holy to the holiest, which is called the life, was torn from 
above, down, beneath. In other words, theologian says that it's not torn from beneath up to the, to the top because it wasn't man that tear it. It was God's hand that tore it from above, was torn down to the bottom, allows or granted us access that everyone now who believes in Jesus is granted the access right from outside, through the courtyard, to the holy place, into the holy of the holiest. And now, everyone, including you and I, not only the high priest, but you and I are the kingly priesthood. We are king and priest at the same time. We are granted this access, and every single one of us can meet God anywhere, at any time, all the time. Aren't you grateful for what Jesus did for you on the cross? And that, that we can now meet Father God Almighty through the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And then in the New Testament, as I mentioned, we met or we encountered God through Jesus, who, incarnate, who was God incarnated into human being to walk among us. But then he was, he was oh, he, he sacrificed himself on the cross, and 40 days after he was dead, he or three days after he was risen, 40 days after he was risen, he went up to heaven. And 10 days after he went up, the Holy Spirit was sent down. So that's why it's called the day, or the 50th day is called Pentecost, 50th day. So when, G, when, when, when the Holy Spirit came on earth, so now we encounter God through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who stays among us and with us. Amen. So... That's why when, before Jesus went, Jesus said, it's better for me to go because unless I go, he would not come to you. Because if he doesn't come to you, so wherever two or three gathers in my name, I can't be anywhere or everywhere at the same time. Because you've got to realize and you have to understand, Jesus in a human form, he was limited in time and space. He can't be everywhere at the same time. So that's why if he did not go to heaven, the Holy Spirit would not come. And wherever two or three gathers, he can't be present because he can be only present at one time in one place. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for Holy Spirit because now we don't have to wait to be scheduled where we can meet or when we can meet because we can meet anywhere at any time whenever two or three gathers. He'll be present. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit? Aren't you grateful for the Holy Spirit? So what we're going to talk about, I haven't really started preaching yet. So what we're going to talk about is the encounter between us and God. Encountering God right here, right now. It is always about the interaction between God's dimension and our natural dimension. We all live in the natural realm where we actually perceive everything using our five senses because usually we usually only acknowledge the existence of something using our five senses unless we can see it or hear it we will not acknowledge the existence of it or if we can't see it and we can't hear it we have to be able to smell it that happens sometimes in church right you see nothing you hear nothing but you smell you smell something and then you're going to say like 
Right, because you try to do it so elegantly so that nobody would hear it. But you can smell it, right? So when you smell it, you acknowledge the existence. This is what it means by you know, uh, acknowledging the, the existence of something with using your five senses. Or if you can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't smell it, at least you have to taste it. If you can taste it, you acknowledge the existence. So in the natural dimension, we learn and we acknowledge everything using our five senses, and then there are limitations of time and space. But in the spiritual dimension, you can't rely on your five senses, like what you have learned in the tabernacle, inside the holy place. You can't rely on what you could see outside. You can't rely on your natural sight, but you have to rely on your spiritual sight. You can't rely on your natural hearings, but you have to rely on your spiritual sensitivity. So it's totally different. And then there's also no limitation of time and space because the Bible is telling me that God is spirit. And in the spiritual realm, there's freedom and there's no limitation at all. So when we talk about encountering God, is we are talking about how God, the spirit, and how the spiritual realm encounter or intervene into our daily natural life. How does it look like today? So I'm gonna bring you uh, to look at Matthew chapter 17. There's a passage that is very interesting. I wonder whether you have uh, studied this passage before. I'm gonna show it to you what happened there in the Mount Transfiguration, uh, starting from verse one through eight, if you would look into these verses, I believe you'll be inspired. Let me start from verse one. It said that after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There were only four of them, Jesus and these three men. And then there he was transfigured before them. You can use your imagination to picture how does it gonna look like. I suppose ICF is well known for your creativity. Uh, you can actually uh, try to figure out how you're gonna present it if you're going to do a drama musical <laughs> in this topic. So he transfigured before them, and then next it said that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Imagine if you were there, Jesus was bringing these three boys, Peter, James, and John, to this mountain, and Jesus and these three boys, they were in the natural dimension where you can see and perceive everything using your five senses. And then before their eyes, the Bible was telling us that Jesus left them and left this nature of physical dimension and he stepped into the spiritual dimension where he spoke to Elijah and Moses. We all know that Elijah and Moses has passed away long, long time ago. So Elijah and Moses, they both are not in the physical dimension anymore. They are in the spiritual dimension. And Jesus was talking to these two gentlemen in this dimension, and the whole act can be seen by these three boys from the natural dimension without a 3D glasses. 
And that was so fascinating for, this, for, for, for them. And Peter even suggested that we should build a church here because of this vision. So what was taking place was actually something that happened in the spiritual can be seen in the nature. You know what? Christianity is about what we experience in the spiritual to be transferred and to be interpreted into the natural for the people around us. So, and throughout the Bible, I have learned only once that the Bible was recording that only one person that has ever left the physical dimension to step into the spiritual dimension, and this person was able to come back because this passage was telling us that Jesus came back and touched these three boys when they were so fascinated by what they were seeing. And the Bible was only saying and only recording that only Jesus ever left the physical dimension to step into the spiritual dimension after he's done finished talking to these two gentlemen. He stepped back and come back to the physical dimension to continue lives here. Nobody else has done it than Jesus. There was one gentleman or two gentlemen in the Old Testament, Enoch and Elijah, who the Bible recorded has ever left this earth without leaving their physical body. They left to heaven, but there wasn't any record that they both came back. So in other words, every one of us can leave the physical dimension to the eternity and to the spiritual dimension, but no one would make it back except Jesus. So I'm definitely not one of those who is ready to live yet. Anybody is ready to live this dimension? So we, we like to stay in this dimension, we love this dimension, but our whole life will only be impacted by what happened coming from this dimension. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. In other words, when you hear the word of God, you start sensing something here, you start feeling something here, but the power of it, the source of it, comes from the presence of God, from the spiritual dimension. You listen to the word of God, you start feeling something, but you see nothing here. But you have to realize it all started and coming and beginning from the spiritual dimension. Faith starts by hearing. So when you hear the promise of God that comes from the spiritual dimension, your natural eyes see nothing. But if you start believing in it, you start feeling it, you start sensing it, and you start speaking about it, it's just a matter of time. What wasn't seen yet will come into pass. That's what the world called miracle. But it's not miracle from here or from this perspective because it already existed before you receive it here. Am I making any sense to anybody? So the question is, when we talk about, we, we talk about encountering God, how does it look like in our daily life now? How do you encounter God? Because you don't really have to go to the tabernacle anymore to walk into the holy of the holiest because you can meet and encounter God anywhere at any time. It can be in your kitchen. It can be in your car. It can be in your workplace. It can be in your bedroom. So you start realizing and you start opening up yourself to encounter God wherever you are. This encounter can impact and will impact your whole life. Will impact the way you work, 
will impact the way you study, will impact your health, will impact your marriage, will impact your sex life. Like, ooh. Touch your neighbor says, it's getting interesting. <laughs> Indeed, it's gonna, it's gonna transform, it's gonna impact your whole life. You start realizing that your life is not only be impacted through what you see, but through the dimension that you don't see. And God is there right here, right now with you, unless you learn how to interact between what you can see to allow what you can't see to influence what you can see or what you yet to see. So I truly believe that if you understand this and you open up yourself for the work of God, I truly believe that nothing will be impossible. There will be miracles and something and many more things that will take place in your life, amen? Amen. So what could happen when you encounter God? Number one, your identity and purpose will be restored. Whenever you encounter God, uh, I've noticed that the Bible was telling me that whenever the people of God encounter God, God not only restore their identity, but God restore their purpose. So I'm gonna start telling you uh, by picking up from the story uh, captured in Exodus chapter six. Exodus chapter six, verse two and three. Exodus chapter six, verse two and three says that, God also said to Moses, I'm the Lord, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. At that time, God was telling uh, the Israelites that, All this while you only knew me as God Almighty, Elohim, God the Creator. But as God the Redeemer or God the Lord, or in the German translations says that as the hair, their hair, as the Redeemer, as Lord, as Adonai, I have never introduced myself to them. The reason God has never needed uh, to introduce himself as Adonai or as the Redeemer because there were no need of redemption up to that time. Until, until the time when they became slaves in Egypt. All that while before that, they only needed to know God as the creator. Until they became slaves, and they needed to be set free, they needed to be redeemed. And God said, now it's time for me to introduce myself as God the redeemer to them. So whenever God introduced himself or God showed himself to someone, he doesn't only show who he is, but at the same time, it reflects to whoever he's shown himself to, who they are. Because when God said that I am your redeemer, he doesn't only say that I want to redeem and I can redeem you, he also reminds us of the need of you needed to be redeemed. So whenever he said I'm God, Jehovah Rapha, your healer, he doesn't only say that I can heal, I will heal, but you need to be healed. Whenever he say I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider, he doesn't only say that I am your provider, that I can provide for you, that I will provide for you, but he also says to us that you need to be provided. So whenever he, he reminds us or he introduces himself to us, he doesn't only reveal who he is, but he also reflects to us who we are. Yes, so 
Whenever we encounter God, God will show us our identity. When we know who we are, we also find our purpose. Do you know what? Fulfillment and contentment will never come to our lives unless we encounter God. Because you can't find fulfillment and, 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 and contentment just by being successful. Because money, achievement, position, even power can't give you fulfillment and contentment in life. You can only feel contented and fulfilled when you find out who you are before God and why do you exist and why are you here and what you are living for. That's why whenever we encounter God, whenever in the Bible people encounter God, they found out who they are, who they, are, who they really are and what are the, their purposes of life. So, because this is so powerful, the devil knows that. That's why the devil tries to destroy your identity. He did even that to Jesus when he was tempting him. He said, are you sure that you're the son of God? I'm not sure that you are the son of God. So he was tempting Jesus about his identity. So my question to you is, what are you struggling with? Maybe the devil's trying to steal your identity. Maybe he tries to remind you of your failure, your past whatever you went through, all the baggages that you may be struggling with. He tries to steal your conviction of who you are before God. Hence, he tries to, to, to steal your purpose of life. No matter how, you, how hard you try to hide it, how hard you try to fight it, unless you have a God encounter that will confirm who you are and who he is to you, you will always struggle with that. This is number one. The next one, whenever we encounter God, Repentance takes place. What I mean by repentance, it's not that you have done something wrong, but repentance in the Greek simply means that you are actually turning from the wrong way towards the right way. Metanoia means you turn away from what you believe has led you to become lost, to turn back to the original path. So there was one story I'm, I'm gonna pick to explain to you what I meant by it. it it was captured in John chapter four. I wonder whether you know about this Samaritan woman who met Jesus at the well. So the Bible was telling me that uh, Jesus met this lady at the well in the midst of the day, uh, where it's actually unusual for someone to get water from the well. Usually if, if, if someone would like to get water, they would usually go to the well early in the morning or late in the evening where there's not so hot. Uh, in terms of the weather or temperature. So this lady was uh, trying to get water in the midst of the day, and there you go, Jesus was meeting her, and Jesus was actually talking to her, asking for water. So the, the, to open the, the conversation, Jesus was asking for water. Can, I, can, you, can you give me something to drink? So it's amazing, if you would go through the passages, Jesus flipped around so quick from asking for water to become someone offering for water. So when I, I read that, uh, I, I noticed that many times when Jesus or God was asking something from us, as a matter of fact, it is not because he wants something from us, but more likely he wants something for us. Because when, when he asked for drinks from this lady, he was addressing to the thirst of the lady actually. Even though he said, can I get some water? At the end of the day, he was offering water to this lady. 
He said, if you would know who is the one that you are talking to, indeed, you would not only give him water, you would ask him for water. If you drink the water that he would give you, you will never be thirsty again. So then Jesus switched from physical thirst to emotional thirst. And then further, Jesus moved to spiritual thirst. Jesus was touching the utmost thirst that is in this lady's life. Emotionally, she was thirsty for love. And Jesus said that, I know that you've been married for five times. You divorced five times. And man number six is not your man. You're not even married to him. But if you would want the water that I'm gonna give you, not only physically, not only emotionally will satisfy you, but spiritually will satisfy you because you will not only never be thirsty again, but from inside of you, it will flow the spring of water. You'll be the source of water to many people. And guess what? This lady become the person who brought revival to the whole Samaria. After he met, she met Jesus, she was telling everyone the very thing that she was trying to hide from. Theologians was telling us that the reason she went to get water in the midst of the day because she doesn't want to meet all the other ladies who will probably gossip about her, about her life. The reason she went out in the midst of the day because she was trying to hide her identity. But the very thing she was hiding from was the very thing that set her free. That she was telling everybody, you know what? I believe this guy is the Messiah as he said he is, because he's telling me everything about my life. People must be asking, what kind of life? What life do you talk about? She must be telling about what life she went through. And the very thing she was trying to hide was the very thing that set her free and the very thing that brought revival to Samaria. I truly believe that a lot of people today can be set free wherever you are, you may feel lost. You may be successful in your career. You may be successful financially. You may be successful in many areas of life. But deep down in your heart, you know there's a thirst that can't be quenched through success, achievements, or money, or even well up or holidays. Only God can quench that thirst. If you would open up yourself to God, he will show himself up strong to you, and he will address that thirst inside of you. Beside bringing you back to the path he wants you to live, he will bring healings to your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whenever people encounter God, miracles happen. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I truly believe that depression comes in people's life because you feel so lost, because nothing can satisfy you unless spiritually you're fed by God, unless God fills that hole, that big hole heart, that big hole gap inside of you, unless he fills that up, nothing will ever satisfy you, amen? I'm gonna close today's message by telling you the story about Ali, 
while probably the band is taking their place and keyboard can start playing Katy Perry's song. Anyway, would you like Katy Perry or Ed Sheeran or anything? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to close uh, my message with, tell, by telling you the story of Ali. Ali used to work for us. Ali is a small guy, and he wasn't a Christian. He worships on Friday, if you wouldn't know what it means. He doesn't worship on Sunday. Ali used to work for us, and because he was so small, he used to be bullied when he was younger. He got beaten up most of the time, and in result, consequently, uh, hatred started to build up in his life. And one day, when he was younger, he decided to go to pick up some magical power so that he would not be bullied anymore. He was so powerful that even knives would not hurt him. So I wonder whether in, in Europe you're familiar with that kind of power. I grew up with that kind of power around us. I've seen people who try to cut himself and with knives, but you see no blood, you see nothing. That's how powerful the magical power in our country or in, in Asia is. So Ali grew up with all this power so that he could defend himself and he doesn't have to be bullied again. So after many, many years, one day he came to me and said, I've been trying to be set free because all these powers many, many times disturb the way I want to do my life now. I don't want them anymore, but I can't get rid of them. Then he told me how many times he tried to find gurus and strong person in remote areas. He's done all the rituals and everything. And this power simply don't want to leave him. Then he said, would you help me? I said, why would you ask me? He said, I just sense that there's something powerful inside of you. Then he said, is that right? I said, yes, <laughs> certainly. Then they said, then please help me. Then he asked me, could you? I said, yeah. Then he was surprised. Are you sure? I said, yes, very easy. Then he asked me this question, how? I said, you just simply have to invite the bigger power to come to reside inside of you and all this would go. Then he said, who is he? I said, his name is Jesus or in the Arabic means or called Isa al-Masih. Isa. Then he asked me this question because he really understands it. He said, what are the conditions? I said, there are two. Number one, you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he's God, not just the prophet. He's God. He died on the cross and risen from the cross. You have to believe in your heart that he's God and confess it. Then he said, what's condition number two? You have to release forgiveness and ask him for forgiveness. He can't forgive you unless you release forgiveness. So my next question to him is, who were the person you hated so much that caused you to invite all those powers to reside within you? His eyes turned red, but finally he wrote down all the names. I said, okay, you have to release forgiveness to these people. 
then He would forgive you. And then you have to invite Him to come to live inside of you. The Bible says that your body is a temple and His Spirit will live inside of you. If He comes, everything else will go. He said, okay, long story short, he did the prayer and they invite Jesus to come. As soon as he received Jesus, I spoke to the power, I said, in the name of Jesus, you have no authority over Ali anymore. Immediately the moment I said those words, the power reacted. Ali, who was very small, with one arm, one hand, he could lift a sofa bed. It wasn't his natural power. It was the spiritual power that was inside of him. He could leave a two-person sleeping sofa bed. Hannah was there, were you? She was a witness. But the power of God, the encounter with God, set him free, healed him spiritually, emotionally, and physically. I don't know what is keeping you under bondage. I don't think there's any power that is stronger than the power of God. No drugs, no pills, no hurt, no resentment, no depression. Depression is stronger than the power and the love of God. And you can encounter it right here, right now, or anytime, whenever you want wherever you let him to, he can set you free. Question is, are you ready for that? Are you open for that? And you can't, you are, you're not only be set free, you can be the source of the living water, Amen. the source of God's love yeah. and power and life yeah. to wherever God brings you to. And I truly believe wherever God puts you, that place, that office, that school, that family will never be the same again. Again, ICF Church, are you ready for that? Why don't you bow our head while we worship God? I'll be back to pray for you for in a moment. While we are worshiping Him, why don't you open up yourself? Invite Him to take over your life. Let Him take over. Let Him speak to you. Let Him show you, let him lead you, let him guide you in Jesus' name.